0: of the week again. It's the 11 o'clock hour on Wednesday. You know what it means. It's left, right, and center with Jeff Schlemmer, Robert Metz, and yours truly somewhere in the middle, Jim Chapman. Welcome, guys. Good to see you. Thank morning. you. Merry Christmas to both of you. Thank you. Let me extend an invitation to you as well to join us for our Christmas party on Friday morning. I don't know if you can make it or not, but I know many of our listeners would like to meet you guys, so if you get a chance, we'll be out at, uh, at Samuel's at the corner of Warncliffe and Southdale on Friday between 9 and 12, and it's a free breakfast. Hey, what? Hey. Yeah. Now, I know, Bob, you believe there's no such thing as a free lunch. (laughs)
1: Free
0: breakfast? There there is a free breakfast on Friday, so we'll be looking forward to it. If you can make it, we'd love to have you there. Um, Of course, this is the part of our program where we take a look at issues in our community, in our society, um, and we, we, from a bit of a philosophical perspective, Bob Metz uh, tends to look at things more from the right side of the spectrum, and Jeff Schlemmer more from the left, although, as we've discussed many times, sometimes the lines do get blurred. Uh, That does not mean, however, that we cannot discuss the issues, and we do. Now, this morning, I understand, you you, want to take a look, guys, at at, uh, the role of of, uh, the media in terms of shaping people's behavior specifically violence and so on there were some articles in the free press a couple weeks ago and we talked about it we didn't have a chance to do it on the air but we talked about that you both expressed some concern about uh, the public attitudes towards this should there be more censorship should we be stamping out violence etc 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 it seems to me that ultimately it does come down to the question of censorship um what is appropriate to be censored we live in a society where i think most people most people, and maybe I'm wrong with this, a lot of people. Um, if you said, do you support censorship, I think a lot of people would say no. We think, on the whole, it's a bad idea. Uh, it is a free society, and we value free speech. On the other hand, there are areas where we do support censorship. We censure things like child pornography. Uh, we censor things like the uh, like uh, uh, propagating hatred of, of other groups or individuals or whatever, where we seem to be fairly comfortable as a society with that kind of censorship. But when we get beyond those uh, two uh, relatively limited areas, uh, I think the sense is that we don't want government interfering. Uh, Bob Metz, let me ask you first. There seems to be, seems to be, according to some of the experts, some relationship between the amount of violence that children are exposed to in the media and uh, what seems to be an increase in violence in society. A, do you buy that rationale? And B, what would you do about it? uh, If you do buy it or not, what should we be doing?
1: First of all, this comes back to your basic question, whether uh, what we see on TV and, and in the media actually shapes our own behavior. What I fear when we get into an area of discussion like this is that we're really asking whether we can use what's in the media and in the news as an excuse for our own behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think if the moment we accept that argument, we are, in effect, excusing behavior and saying that behavior is something outside yourself and that you're not individually responsible. Now, uh, without you know sounding facetious, I mean this seriously. Uh, I think we should get violence off the streets and put it back on TV and in the theaters where it belongs. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of violence in the media is so essential to most plot structures. I mean, whenever you take, uh, if you ever take um, drama from Shakespeare on up, there is always a conflict. Mm -hmm. And at the root of that conflict, there's always violence or the threat of it, even if it's never carried out. Um, In some general way, that's what shapes the the, the battle between good and evil. And I think that in their haste to rid the airwaves and the media of violence, many, uh, you know, supposed do-gooders are really getting rid of the distinctions between when it is when it is appropriate to use force mm-hmm. and when it is not appropriate. And I would say that a lot of the kids shows where that are called violent, you know, are really excellent teachers in terms of what is good, what is wrong, you know, what, what is evil, things like that. And, and, and you get some people who are just uh, a little loony about what violence is. I mean, is violence two inanimate objects colliding? I have heard people call a movie violent because cars get crashed up, or or some inanimate object or an explosion where nobody gets hurt, but that's a violent movie. Mm-hmm. Or watching a cartoon character getting flattened. Come on now, that's not violence. Uh, well, certainly there was really, a
0: big uh, uh, kerfuffle, and I'm going back 10 or 15 years ago, about the the Roadrunner cartoons. There was a period there... They've when, been
1: sanitized now.
0: Well, there was a big concern that Wile E. Coyote kept getting hammered and smashed
1: and blown up and, and falling off of cliffs and yes they ha- they've cleaned them up yes, somewhat and I think that's, that's absurd I think it's a loss I think, I think part of the humor in the, the Roadrunner cartoons was the, the ultimate consequence of what he was always trying to do when he was trying to catch the Roadrunner but it's the same thing I remember when I was a kid the Three Stooges were on all the time and they were always poking each other in the eye and hitting each other on the head with hammers and stuff and, you know, being none the worse off for it. And, yes, very, very young children are impressionable, and that's where parents come in, but you don't sanitize the airwaves and get rid of all of this stuff in the hopes that that's going to somehow change the environment because I really think the message is that in so doing, you're saying that violence is an acceptable uh, means of, of, of achieving an end. Uh, we don't like what we see on TV, so we're going to use the force of government to demand that uh, what we disapprove of will not be there, and to me, that is what teaches violence.
0: Well, Judge Schlemmer, Bob says it's time to get violence off the street and back onto the screen and on stage where it belongs. What do do you think?
1: Uh, Well, that's
2: a a very clever turn of phrase. I love that. And uh, (laughs) I think that there is a tough issue, and that is to balance uh, censorship, which which we all hate and which can be extremely dangerous, from... uh, Looking realistically at what influence TV can have, and and other kinds of media, I look at video games, for instance, the shoot 'em up games. Fundamentally, a problem seems to be that violence is interesting, violence is entertaining, whereas peace and love is boring. So, if you want to sell a movie, if you want to sell sell a Starship Trooper, you've got to, you know, have mass chaos going on all over the place and and I think that it is important to recognize that there is something going on there kids do get their behavior from somewhere and we need to think about that one of the, the difficulties I see I guess is that I, I sometimes wonder whether people can distinguish between reality and fiction in some of these things I look at something like our crime rate for instance where, you know, the police will tell us that the crime rate's been going down in Canada for years. You know, it's safer now than than we've been in, uh, you know, recorded memory. And, uh, and yet the perception seems to be that we live in dangerous times, people worry about it, they're stressed out and all these things, and it's like, you don't need to worry about it. It's not true. Uh, I guess one of the concerns is how do we make sure people understand this is a TV show and this is the news.
0: But if that if that is the case, then let me play that devil's advocate for a second. If it is the case that our crime rates are going down, and you you and I both know that there's some dispute about that, the the the, the reported rates appear to be, but there's some question about the reporting. But take it as given that they are at least not getting any worse. Um, we know that the the uh, number of incidents of violence to which our kids are exposed over the X number of years certainly has gone up. There's no question it is higher than it used to be. Um, well, maybe there's been a bit of a, of, a, of a retardation in the last couple of years. But generally speaking, I don't forget the figure was, but now kids, they see 17,000 murders before they're 12 or whatever. So that's definitely gone up. If, in fact, the crime rate has, is going down or is staying stable, and yet they're being exposed to that much more violence, then doesn't that suggest maybe that, that, that there isn't a causality there?
2: Well, I don't know if I would agree that there's less viol- le- there was less violence in the past. I look at uh, shows back in the 60s, for instance, and people were getting killed all over the place, but in Star Trek, they always went behind a rock to do it. Yeah. Whereas in Brooklyn South, it's sort of like red things
1: flying all over the air and everything. I, it's quite I, different. I think a large part of our increased perception of violence is that we have such an incredibly immediate media that can be at any spot on the earth at any point in time. And we can hear of every act of violence from here to Britain to to South Africa to the Soviet Union, anywhere, and, um, you know, a- act as though that's part of our daily lives. Well, yeah. it really isn't. And yeah. we weren't exposed to all these things happening in the years of history when we didn't have this kind of media although it was probably a worse society at the time
0: let me ask both of you this question it has been suggested that uh, as jeff said earlier that peace and love are tend to be a little a uh, little more boring it's not quite as stimulating it has been suggested that that violence is a is a part a propensity for violence is part of the human condition that it, it's part of our genetic makeup and that to deny that is a very dangerous thing and that we would do better to extend throughout our society uh, the way we do with sports. Sports in many ways are kind of a, uh, they're an outlet for people, they're an outlet for aggression. Uh, a socially sanctioned outlet for aggression. Uh, we see boxing, for example, another socially sanctioned outlet. Uh, anybody who's watched a football game on Saturday with a room full of guys who are into football knows that there is an awful lot of testosterone released by hollering and yelling and pounding on tables and so on when your team does well or doesn't do well. Um, you know, are we maybe looking the wrong way? Should we maybe be saying that yeah, we need we need to recognize it? Yes, we are potentially a violent creature, so let's try to focus that and let's try to to funnel that, so we can express that in ways that are not deleterious to society.
1: Well, you know, it takes two to tango. It only takes one to start a fight. And Where do you it, get it, all these great lines? Well, Just <laughs> <know, it's>, uh, <laughs> right because these are bromides that have been thrown at me in the reverse, and I've oh, okay. learned to deal with them, in, in the sense of, you know, so often people say that you, it takes two to, to be a, have a violent... No, it's, it's one. It takes one party to create violence, and the other person has been placed in the situation of self-defense. But, you know, you talk about peace and love being boring and stuff, I don't think it's so much that it's boring that it's uneventful and doesn't make for great storytelling. Um, Great storytelling is based upon a great conflict and having uh, um, two opposing forces against each other. Mm. And, uh, you know, some of the other issues you're talking about, violence in sports and getting into the boxing arena, I think if you're really talking about true violence, social violence, the thing we must look for is the absence of consent. Two boxers that get into an arena have consented to get in there. I can't even in my wildest imagination call that violence until they do a Mike Tyson and bite somebody's ear off. Mm-hmm. And then, then I don't think the other guy consented to get into the ring to have that done to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an act of violence. But nevertheless, the, the, the nature of the sport is not that it's violent. I know there's a lot of discussion these days about hockey violence mm-hmm. and and whether they want to actually have that incorporated as part of the sport. I'm thinking, well, that's not hockey to me anymore, but uh, if that's where the market's going and that's what the players consent to, I can't complain about it if somebody gets hurt on the ice. This is left,
0: right, and center on 1290CJBK. We're coming back to take your calls to 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel if you'd like to participate in our discussion, If you have a question or a comment, Jeff Schlemmer and Robert Metz are here representing the left and the right, and I'm somewhere in the center. Well, Julie was with us a moment ago. Uh, Maybe the doorbell rang and she had to leave us. But if you uh, have a comment or a question, if you want to join our discussion this morning on Left, Right, and Center with Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz, uh, we invite you to do so. We were just talking during the break about Starship Troopers. Now, neither of my guests have seen that. Uh, I wonder how many of you have seen the movie. Um, And we had a question a little bit earlier uh, uh, from a caller. wanted to know well, what is your definition of gratuitous violence then? Is there no such thing as gratuitous violence? I think that movie was gratuitous violence, and I love, I'm not going to kid it around about it, I love violent movies. I love shoot 'em up bang-bang, blow things up, guys getting shot left, right, and center, because I know it's a movie. It doesn't, it doesn't challenge my sense of reality, and I like that sense of adventure and get the adrenaline pumping, and at the end of the movie, you kind of go, well, that was fun, and then you go home. And you don't go home and beat up your wife or kick your dog, at least I don't. I don't have a dog, Um, but the the, the idea is that it's escapism. Starship Troopers, I thought, was something new for me and something that it's been a long time since I've seen anything like this. And this was a movie that was full of very uh, graphic violence. Um, between species, not a, against humans, but there were a lot of pictures of shredded human bodies and so on that the other guys. At the end of the movie, there's a climactic scene where they have caught the brain of this of the enemy, this this brain bug, and uh, they've got this this uh, uh, fellow who's a psychic, who in fact is Doogie Howser from TV. I don't know what his <laughs> really name <laughs> he's is. He's so smart. It's Doogie Howser, <laughs> yeah, whatever his name is, and and they have this this moment of tension where he's probing the mind and probing the brain of the enemy, and I'm thinking, well, here's the point where they make the make the case that it's been a misunderstanding that we have misunderstood each other and that there is room for us to live together and share the galaxy and so on and so instead of that it's he's afraid of us he's afraid of us they're scared of us and they're everybody's firing their guns and blah, blah blah and that's kind of the end of the movie and the message is that you know the more violence we put on these guys the more we scared them and eventually we're going to stamp them out and kill them all and yay for us and to me that movie was gratuitous violence because there was no attempt to improve the human condition. There was no attempt to show any insights into uh, the value of communication between species or between individuals. And I thought that was a waste. Now, Bob, I wanna ask you from your perspective, do you think there's any onus on the filmmakers when they have that kind of opportunity to inject that kind of message?
1: An onus, no, certainly not one that should be imposed. You, I'd like to think the marketplace would impose that onus on on film producers, but uh, I can say that I've seen a lot of nonviolent movies that fit the description of the movie you, you just described in other respects mm-hmm. that were just boring, had no point to them, mm-hmm. uh, were possibly even disgusting in some respects. But uh, you know, putting the message into the film is up to the filmmaker, and if it's a message you want to hear, that you like to hear, you, that you dislike, I mean. Freedom of speech has to pertain to those ideas that we find most offensive. If we're only talking about freedom of speech for ideas that we agree with, or freedom of speech for things that we like, or the message that we like, well, then the whole point of freedom of speech doesn't even mean anything. What's what's the point? Um, you know, to live in a free society, I think uh, you have to build some level of tolerance. You have to be able to live by that maxim. you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Mm-hmm. Well, names do hurt. They can. Mm-hmm. But they don't... Uh, they don't uh, justify a physical response. And they scare
2: us though and I think that's some, that's the problem that uh, on the one hand I, I'm thinking about Jack granitestein's book uh, Petrified Campus mm-hmm. and how he says the problem on a university with not allowing people to hear the bad stuff is that they don't uh, uh, develop the ability to discern to, the to, good to from the to bad to discriminate Yeah. But on the other hand I think those words they do scare us and you look at examples throughout uh, even 20th century history of uh, the demagogues who have used words extremely effectively to take us to very very bad places and think of uh, Goebbels for instance was a genius in dealing with the media uh, and uh, extremely extremely effective and well, scares the we out of us.
1: Well, but the effectiveness of, of, of dictators in the past has not been based on the fact that they had a great idea and it was accepted by the public. It was based on the fact that they had the legalized use of force, which is the irony of what we're talking didn't about start here. with it. They uh, got it well, through their words. Well, they got it because the political system gave it to them. It was you know, propaganda is, a, is an ideology that's forced upon people. It's kind of censorship in reverse. You're, you're, you're being forced to pay for an opinion that you disagree with, mm-hmm. and that's being shoved down your throat. But there
2: are some people who are so charismatic and so effective with their words that they, do, that they can take us places we wouldn't otherwise but, go. But,
0: but it, is, there, it is, is it possible to draft legislation that would prevent those people from being able to do that? do that at all. I don't know. That's I what think we're trying we to need right charismatic people
1: to take us in a proper direction. That, that, that again works on both sides of the street. You can have sincerity. You can have charisma. You can have uh, all kinds of human qualities that can work toward good or evil.
0: Guys, we're going to go to the phones now. 643-1290 is the telephone number. Star 1290 on the Cantel. And we have caller Bill with us. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh,
3: I think censorship, uh, you have to be very careful with censorship. But uh, I think there is room for it, and especially in the news. And that's one of my pet peeves. And I'll I'll give you two examples. One is uh, uh, J.D. Cooper, I think it was, that hijacked the first airplane.
0: Yes. Well, not Uh, the first airplane, but he hijacked it and took some money and jumped out, right? Right.
3: a good idea for him to make money. Mm -hmm. But by reporting it, uh, he gave the idea to every terrorist in the world.
0: But, you know, there were not a spate of uh, crimes where people took the money and jumped out of airplanes after that.
3: Well, no, but the idea of taking a uh, hijack in an airplane to get what you want.
0: Oh, no, he was far from the first to do that. There were lots of people who did it before him.
2: Well, the reporting people, of it people were hijacking to, uh, trains yeah. and... and yeah. But you do hear that. There are copycats. Every time a movie comes out with an extremely clever way to, to uh, commit a burglary or something, there are copycats who try it.
3: That's right. And that's why I think news should have a more... I'll give you my second example, maybe okay. uh, more, is uh, the first per- the person that slipped some poison into Tylenol and put it back in the shelf in the store. Yeah. There was dozens of copycats.
0: Yes, yeah.
3: Now, I think you can report that some woman died for some reason, but to tell people how she died and give the idea to other people. It's, it's,
0: a, it's a really good point, Bill. But but what happens on step two then? Step one is okay. We're not going to tell anybody that this happened. Uh, step two, uh, I don't know what the parallel will be. But some uh, some other crime comes along. and Say okay, we're not going to report this crime, and then uh, another crime comes along, and the and the news reporters make a decision when we're not going to report. I mean, once you've started, where do you stop?
3: No, no, you can report the crime. You don't have to report how they did it. I I, I mean, somebody robbed a bank, but uh, somebody mm -hmm. went in with a bazooka instead of a gun, so everybody go get the bazooka. You just say the guy robbed the store.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, well, just to use your Tylenol example, Bill, I I really can't agree with you. I think that let's assume that they did keep the story quiet. Would Tylenol then have had any incentive to put those really uh, tough wrappers on their bottles? Because that came out of the consumer demand after the public found out about the potential threat. And it also prevented the thing from happening again in the future. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that the more we keep things closed up and and away from the public, the less things will be done about it because nobody knows it's happening.
3: Well, there's got to be a happy medium there. I mean, uh, the FDA or whoever regulates that stuff, they could have known about this and forced their companies into... uh, Taking uh, security measures, but to tell everybody, I mean, there's a lot of nuts out there, but they can't yeah. come up with the ideas themselves. Yeah. They just take them off
0: the news. Well, appreciate your call today. Thank you. Thanks very much. And we've got to Dave with us. Good morning, Dave.
4: Hi. How are you? Good morning,
3: morning, Jim. Thank you.
0: Good.
4: I uh, just interested. I in just uh, happened to pick up your uh, show on the on the phone or on the uh, radio here in on the car, and uh, you indicated that uh, you mentioned that uh, your opinion of Starship Troopers you were you didn't feel that was a uh, you felt it was an overly violent movie.
0: No, no, no. I don't think it was overly violent. I think it was a movie with no redeeming social value. So in that sense, I think it was gratuitous violence. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with violence in movies at all. I like violent movies, but I also think that there is a role um, that you can you can teach. I, I believe you can teach lessons with movies and books and television programs. And I'm not saying that 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 anybody should be forced to teach those lessons. All I was saying was in my opinion, that movie was gratuitously violence. The violence didn't serve any purpose at all other than just to be violent.
4: No, I, I, uh, I agree there's there's points in the movie that uh, that I felt were overly violent, uh, but I also felt when I when I went to see the movie, I was going strictly for the entertainment value. No, no, but again, no,
0: I, no, Dave, you're not understanding yeah. me. I don't think there was anything in that movie that was overly violent. I don't mm-hmm. think there is such a thing as overly violent. What I'm saying is that ultimately I felt the movie did a disservice to its audience. I see. Because it had an opportunity to give us all the bang-bang, him up that we want And that's why we went to the movie. But at the key moment, when they could, when it could have had some redeeming social value, whatever that may be, they chose not to take it. And that's the point where, instead of saying, "Gee, you know, the problem with these bugs is we haven't been communicating, and we could, you know, the more the more we communicate, the better off we're all going to be." Instead of that, it was, "Ah, we've scared them. We got them on the run. Let's kill them all." All And I just thought that was kind of unnecessary. Mm -hmm, mm
4: -hmm. Uh, did, Did you see the movie Crash? Yes. what did you, what's your opinion of the movie crash well, I as thought, far as uh, redeeming social value
0: I, I, I think there was some redeeming social value in that movie and, and for people who are not familiar with it it's a rather bizarre movie that mm-hmm. uh, about people who found sexual release in, in uh, car accidents mm-hmm. uh, and it's even more bizarre than it sounds. Um, Yeah, I thought there was some some redeeming social value there in that it was an exploration of uh, the human condition and the psyche of these these particular individuals. It was a little gruesome in spots and a little bizarre in spots, but... But again, I thought there was a message to that movie. The only message in Starship Troopers was let's kill them all.
4: Yeah, well, I'm not too sure whether when the uh, producers made that movie, uh, whether they intended it to to have a real message, except to entertain people, and and that's uh, the way I felt about when I looked at the uh, when I saw the movie. Yeah, uh, Uh, and when I looked at Crash, I thought Crash was 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 a pretty sick movie, and and uh, the the total, uh, I guess, the entertainment value of each one of those movies is is, uh, totally different to what the directors wanted to the message they want to get across. well, and
0: don't misunderstand me. I I thought Starship Troopers was very entertaining. I thoroughly enjoyed it, even though it was a comic book. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is a comic book. But it was enjoyable. I enjoyed it right up until that last scene, and I kept waiting for the point where they were going to, perhaps, again, do something that I thought maybe gave it a little bit of redeeming social value, and they never did. Mm-hmm. The movie Crash, it appeared to me, as I watched it, was a very depressing movie. Yeah, it oh, like, certainly
2: was. It was. I thought it was pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and yeah. it seemed to me like the, the, the director wasn't really endorsing what they were doing. It was just showing these people are so burned out and are mm-hmm. so twisted, here's the wacko thing they're doing. Mm-hmm. And look at the end, uh, it doesn't help them at all anyway.
0: They're just destroyed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Appreciate the call. All right, thanks. Thanks very much. Right, right. And the guy had a big uh, four-door Lincoln like mine in that movie, too. And they trashed it, which I didn't mm. like much. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> now, that's violence.
1: <laughs> yeah, now,
0: that's violence. Yes, indeed. Back to the phones. We have Chuck with us. Hi, Chuck. morning, gentlemen. Yes, sir.
5: Uh, you were talking about violence, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm 70 years old, and I played cowboys and Indians and everything like that. Yeah. But we had a, an incident that uh, happened with us. So remember when Rambo came out? Yep. Well, we, well, we had a lad. In fact, there was a couple, but the one lad, he went, he went ramble crazy. Mm-hmm. He was about eighteen, nineteen, yeah, around there, and he put the kerchief around his knife. He carried his, carried a knife in the back, yeah. and he carried his rifle. And we lived up in the country where there was acres, and,
0: yeah. and he got himself in some real, but real trouble. Yeah. And, uh, but do you think he, he would not have got into trouble if he hadn't seen the movie? I don't know. I, well, I think he
5: would have, but he he just. And a lot of things like that that happened. In fact, he got in so much trouble; and uh, police were after him all the time. And his parents and his parents had four other boys. And yeah. They weren't any better, really. Mm-hmm. But he shot. We know he did. He put a bullet through one of the policeman's window up
0: there. Yeah. And
5: uh, but again, finally chased them, and and they they got in a car chase. And yeah, everything. but they
0: had people doing crazy things before we had movies and television,
1: too. Right. I mean,
5: yeah, they, but it was just it's just the the way that they do it. Like he, for some reason or other. Like he saw Rambo. What well, do you think? That, he- was his, that was his idol. You know, he went. Yeah, but he, obvious, was his idol. he obviously he missed
0: the but he obviously missed the point because the point of the movie Rambo was not about taking on the authorities. The point of the movie Rambo was that when the authority goes astray, sometimes it has very nasty repercussions. That's what that movie was all about. He was a guy who was treated very badly, treated unjustly, and had the ability to respond negatively.
2: As a last resort. <laughs> yeah, the striking thing about that first Rambo movie is that it wasn't like there was only one person who died in the movie. He did everything he could to keep from killing people exactly. throughout, and just tried. He was just trying to get away yeah uh, yeah but
5: there's a lot of kids that this is where they that, where they come they they take an idol you know they get like like myself in, in the old age you know like yourself like okay so John Wayne was my idol you yeah. know and then you know, I'd, I'd like to go out and be a gunfighter Yeah, well
0: John <laughs> you know, Wayne, John Wayne he, killed a lot of people in his movies yeah you and know that, but this is what this is what kids seem to do they take they take an idol of So is that a reason a not to do it, then? Should, should the we movies have movies should to... we have banned that movie, then? Should we have said, no, you're not going to be allowed no, to see... No, no, I'm not saying you, should, you, you don't have to
5: ban it. I mean, this is natural. With Like you, you guys were talking before, everybody's got an instinct in them that, they, that if somebody's going to come after you and, you and something's really wrong, you're going to
6: turn violent one way or the other. Yeah. Appreciate
0: the call today. Thanks for joining us today, Chuck. And we've got Gord up. Hello,
6: Gord. Hi, Jim. Yes, sir. Uh, I was wondering if... Uh, if if violence in the media contributes to violence in society, does comedy on, in the media contribute to a humorous society? Oh,
0: I think it's a very good, no, it's, it's a funny question. I think it's a very good question. We are exposed today, I think, through the media to much more humor than, than was the case in the past. I mean, look at the comedy channel now. We've yeah. got these new channels, and I've got to tell you, I watch the comedy channel more than all the other channels put together. Well, so Jerry want...
6: Seinfeld must be a real contributor to random acts of humorous, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true.
2: What do you talk about the office the next day? You know, yeah? you've, you've got the shows you watched the night before, and and I talked earlier about the uh, the violent movies contributing to the stress level of society. Hopefully, the humor level. Uh, contributes to, what is it, endorphins that are generated Mm -hmm. by laughing? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, theoretically, it seems like a healthy thing.
6: Well, I I guess I also have to mention the fact that that nobody counts up the random acts of comedy, and uh, also that uh, some of the studies that have been done to show aggression in children and and violence in the media are associated with uh, males rather than females, and uh, perhaps there's other causes uh, in uh, aggression than uh, uh, seeing a uh, external act, and it might be caused internally by, say, testosterone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's much more deeper things than just a, a simple uh, observation of an act, uh, and especially an act detached of knowledge, because children do not understand uh, the, the, the whole... Uh, question of of literature and conflict and what Bob was getting at about Mm -hmm. how, uh, uh, you know, in order for there to be a story that's interesting, there has to be some kind of conflict, whether it's man versus nature, man versus himself, man versus man, etc. You know, you also have to take a look at at the fact that that these are fictional representations and not real representations, and that if we look at uh, violence in our society, I think that uh, you'll find that it's... uh, Mm-hmm. acts of violence uh, that are committed without regard to responsibility mm-hmm. and that we do not hold people accountable and I think that's a large measure of, of the problem.
0: Well, thanks for the call today Gord. Okay, One of the purposes uh, I think of, of art, of movies, of television, of, of literature, is to explore the human condition. And I want to refer to a particular movie, uh, Pulp Fiction, that that, uh, generated a tremendous amount of uh, controversy. Either of you gentlemen have seen seen that. Tremendous amount of controversy. When the movie came out, we talked about it on the show, in fact, one day, and a number of people phoned and said, I walked out. I got up and walked out of the theater because I found it so offensive. Um, I've seen it two or three times. Uh, It's one of my favorite movies. Um, Not because of the violence, and there, as you know, is some very random and bizarre acts of violence in that movie. But I thought it was a fascinating look into, again, into the human condition, into the number of the different characters there, their interactions and so on. Um, And and a couple of them, as you know, were just stunningly violent and stunningly uh, uh, unconcerned about their violence. And yet I thought it was a real interesting exploration of the human condition. A lot of people looked at that movie and said it was disgusting, disgraceful, and should never have been allowed to be shown. Well,
1: I agree with, I think it was offensive and disgusting in a lot of ways, and that's one of the reasons I liked it. Um, Just because of exactly what you said, that there are people like that out there who can totally divorce their emotions from the consequences of what they're doing or see it in another way. And it's interesting how that movie did uh, integrate the violence with humor and with other Mm -hmm. elements of drama, and, and it was very cleverly directed, which was... To me, the, the, the most saving grace of the movie mm-hmm. was how the story was almost told backwards. And it starts off in that restaurant and it ends up there. Yeah. Um, so, so the directing uh, technique of getting the story across to you where you see it in bits and pieces and then finally you have to put it together in your own mind, mm-hmm. I think
2: that's terrific. No, well, there is a question. I, I guess I think about uh, Reservoir Dogs then as another movie. and i go see
1: Jackie Brown now is Tarantino's mm-hmm. new
2: movie. Yeah. But uh, for Reservoir Dogs, I didn't see, but I understood it was more violent than... Yeah, uh, I haven't seen it either, so... Okay. I, mm-hmm. And uh, I sort of wonder whether, you know, whether there's almost like a an escalation uh, effect in uh, in the media, where if somebody does something violent, the next guy's got to do something that much more violent and disturbing, and uh, I, I would never suggest uh, that this stuff should be uh, censored, but on the other hand, I could see where it could do some harm somewhere, and of the earlier callers talked about the other causes of violence and how, sure, uh, you know, people are maybe violent for a whole host of reasons, probably coming back to the fact that they're mad about something, uh, and uh, that... I don't think people are suggesting that going and watching that movie will make you go and do a bad thing, but if you're in a mood to do something bad, it may give you ideas about how to go about it. One thing that struck me, I guess, uh, it was a real eye-opener when I was on the police commission, was them talking about knives and how dangerous knives are mm-hmm. and how uh, most people in Canada who are killed or seriously injured are with knives, and yet knives aren't controlled in anything like the way that guns are. We think guns are the dangerous things, mm-hmm. but the police will say it's knives that are the big, bad problem. But you look on TV and, and in movies, and people are always knocking knives out of each other hands it doesn't seem to be a big deal at all mm-hmm. and i wonder to what extent we're we're inflicting a disservice on society by again giving them an unrealistic idea saying well knives aren't that big a deal you know we, we could probably knock it out of a guy's hand or whatever whereas the police will tell you no you can't i remember the uh the uh, chief martial arts uh, expert at the elmer police college testifying in a trial a few years ago saying that he couldn't do it you know he said i might be able to knock a knife out of a guy's hand but my my hand will be cut badly mm-hmm. doing it mm-hmm. you know and if he can't do it the rest of us should be far more concerned about these things, but, but the media seems to tell us, or the, the, the uh, fictional media tells us, it's not a
0: big deal. Uh, Don't worry about aren't, it. Knives aren't a problem. Exactly. Yeah. Six, four, three, 1290 is the telephone number. Anne joins us. Good morning, Anne. Oh, good morning, gentlemen. Um, I would like to know, uh,
7: the percentage of people who are complaining about violence in, on, in the media, are they mostly like parents of children who you know, say that our children are exposed to too much violence on TV, through the movies, etc.?
0: I don't know if we've got any figures on, on percentages. Okay,
7: well, my experience is, is it's usually parents yeah. who are complaining about, the, you know, their children are seeing sure. violence and mm-hmm. things like that, and they want what, whoever to censor these movies and, and things like that, and I, and I disagree with that because... I think that if you do not want your children to see this violence, or if you're worried that your child may be influenced by this, why aren't you monitoring what they're watching? Mm -hmm. And that, again, comes back to the responsibility of the parents. I don't know how many kids, my children's friends, who have watched R-rated movies that have been rated, that's why they have the ratings
5: system,
7: you know, and their parents either, A, don't know that they've seen this movie, or B, don't really care to check up on to see what this movie is like. Yeah. So, again, I would say that censoring is wrong because I feel that these movies are rated to age appropriateness and if your child can't handle it, then why are you letting them watch it? Because you don't care what they're watching or because you just figure it doesn't matter or whatever. So um, that that's my biggest beef. I can't believe the amount of R-rated movies some of these kids have seen.
3: Yeah.
2: And
7: it's definitely, they're at the wrong age.
2: Good point. Although I think that rating is more based on sexuality and sexual content well, yes, than violence.
7: I, I agree, but they are starting to come out with stricter regulations as far as the ratings go for, for violence. Yeah. I, know, I know that I've watched a couple of pretty violent movies that were rated, were given an R rating strictly mm-hmm. because of the violence. There was absolutely hard hardly anything
2: uh, sexual in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I know, like, I'd be interested in finding out how they would rate a show like Brooklyn South, for instance, uh, the extremely violent caught right. show on TV, and I, I think they are starting to come out with, uh, with yeah. those little logos. Yeah.
7: In the little corner yeah, of the TV right, yeah. where you can see, it's got a V for violence. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that's what they're starting to do.
1: I think ratings can sometimes be as much of a hassle as a as a solver of problems because right. because they give such have a, have a broad label to everything, you know.
7: Right, but but we still have to have something. But I, again, I think that it's it's a drastic decline in the last 10, 15 years of parents' involvement in what yeah. the children are actually yeah. doing. To no me question. And everything like that. And and this is my biggest concern is not you know like i don't like censoring of books or programs or things like that it's either if you've watched it and it's not appropriate then why are you going to let them watch it you uh, know yep. to get them out of the
0: way or whatever yeah, good point thanks for the call ann okay take care bye bye uh we're going to pause for a second when we come back i want to talk a little bit about the comparison between sex in the movies and violence stay with us Left, Right, and Center is the name of this program. I'm Jim Chapman. Guys, uh, a question for either or both of you. When we look at people who are uh, uh, promoting the censorship of sexual materials, uh, sex, you know, explicit graphic sex movies and so on, what often comes up, more often than not, at some point in the discussion is the idea that these uh, portraying these sex acts is demeaning. To individuals, usually they talk about it being demeaning to women because more often than not, it's women who are complaining about it. But but men too, that it's demeaning to have human beings b- por- portrayed and having sex. You seldom hear that word demeaning used in in portrayals of violence, and, and that's I've al- found that I've always found that kind of curious because it seems to me that that if what we're saying is that violence is a negative, it's not it's not a positive human attribute. It's not something we want emulated and so on and so on. That that also is demeaning. Now, I don't happen to buy that rationale, but it's always struck me as curious why that parallel doesn't move from the the, the discussions of sex in the movies to discussions of violence. Either of you have any thoughts on that? Well, to some extent, it may be uh,
2: that there's not a discrete group that uh, sort of equal opportunity uh, killers in, in movies. <laughs> Everybody gets it. If there was a movie where it was just women getting it or something, presumably, uh, then, then there may be an argument like that, but maybe maybe we don't sort of associate it as being a particular group. On the other hand, we've seen uh, criticisms in movies, though, about um, sort of stereotypical portrayals of uh, of ethnic groups, like, for instance, Arabs in the context of uh, I can't remember
0: if, if True Lies was the bad guys never not there was a movie not no. that long ago I forget okay. too that's Barney's movie I forget who the bad guys are but isn't that interesting though we do forget do we not we forget who the bad guys are because the, who they are is less important is not than what important. they do no. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's what the good guys do that we're watching and that's 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 who we're yeah. we're talking about true. and it's, it's it's speaking of true lies <clears throat> It was funny because when uh, Jamie Lee Curtis discovers that her husband, Arnold Schwarzenegger, is this super secret agent, you know, and she asks him and she looks him in the eye and she goes, did you ever kill anybody? And he looks at her and smiles and says, yeah, but they were bad people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that immediately excused everything. But isn't and that it,
0: what, of it, course, it does? Isn't that's what it's about, isn't that's it? That's what it's
1: about. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the difference between a hero and, and the bad guy is that the hero's killing the bad guys uh, using force against force, never initiating force as a as a general rule. But uh, getting back to your basic question yeah. about demeaning... meaning. Uh, I think often that argument comes with another package philosophy, usually by the groups that are using it, and they find that there are a lot more things demeaning to women or whatever the minority group is mm-hmm. than just that depiction. But I think, you know, personally you can understand it to some degree. Uh, sex is a very personal thing with everyone. It's it's part of our nature. And uh, to see something, an act that one person may may have a certain thought or belief or values about, and to see those values... In some way, um, poo-pooed or, or, or not even considered, or mm-hmm. even laughed at, that is an, is an insult in a way mm-hmm. to a lot of people. And I can understand why they would argue that. But again, censorship's not an answer to that. If if that's how you feel about something, then by all means, uh, you know, don't frequent that kind of uh, of uh, entertainment outlet. But I wouldn't say that most of the people that are into that entertainment look at things like that.
0: Is is it possible that uh, that there's a very strong positiveness and bob you, you made reference to this the good guys killing the bad guys i have experienced i'm sure both of you have and i'm sure most of our listeners have seen movies where at some point uh, there is a violent act that we applaud because the bad guy, the evil guy, oh, the yeah. fellow
1: who has Charles Bronson who, movies.
0: Well, yeah, well, yeah, know, yeah. The, the guys who have who have uh, gone around the system or abused the system or manipulated the system, a system that we depend on to protect ourselves, they've managed to slip through the cracks. And and Charles Bronson, a wonderful example mm-hmm. in, in the uh, uh, what do they call those movies? Uh, um, I oh. can't think
1: of him, but... <laughs> yeah,
0: anyway, the ones, he plays Paul Kersey in the movies. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you know, but you know,
1: the look. issue is justice, you know? And, well, and, and, and that's justice. exactly it. It's not violence. But it,
0: do, do you think that they provoke people to go out and seek that kind of personal uh, retribution themselves, or are they just mm. cathartic for us? Right. That, you know, you know, it's fun to watch a movie where the good guy wins.
1: I think it's more like, do you thank goodness somebody can do something about something, you know, like, like people get frustrated in their daily lives. Listen to this show, on your average show, all the people calling up frustrated with the way our justice system Mm -hmm. handles criminals, with the way so-and-so's getting away with something, it's almost like it it placates the masses to be able to go see a Charles Bronson movie or, or an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where the good guys actually do win. But again, that comes back to another difficulty,
2: and I, I have to declare at the outset: I, I don't watch Charles Bronson movies. I don't let, really like violent movies. I just mm-hmm. don't enjoy them. Like, to me, in Indiana Jones, uh, sort of about as far as I like to go, Pulp Fiction, for me, what was good about it was the humor rather than the, yeah. rather than the violence. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the dangers is that you get these cartoonish distinctions between good and bad that just aren't reflected in our society, and you talk about perceptions the public have about the court system, for instance, and the justice system. I think they think it's a lot worse than it actually is because of movies which set up these situations where there's a particularly corrupt system or mm-hmm. this particularly bad
1: whatever that has to be dealt with. Uh, and uh, that's a danger. I, I, I see what you're saying when you say cartoon distinctions because it becomes a two-dimensional thing on the screen, but you can only deal with so many ideas in a given half hour or 90-minute period. Yeah, true. So it's part of drama and part of, of all good theater, I think, to isolate those cartoon uh, you know elements of... Mm-hmm what they want to focus on every writer has a different style some writers may focus on the emotion others on the logic others on the philosophy you know it depends what they isolate and that's what makes their story either interesting or boring if you get a totally uh... Um you know, multi-dimensional type of story, it gets sometimes too lost, too boring, too too complicated, and and those movies are tougher to absorb, really.
0: The Charles Bronson movie, Death Wish, was that series that he made of the, mm-hmm. Death the Wish, retributive right, right. ones. Yes. I want to I want to go back to a movie. Come on, 1971, and uh, it was just absolutely scandalous. It was it was censored. There were parts removed that have later been put in. Uh, the Wild Bunch. Sam Peckinpah's probably his uh, most noted work, and probably his most uh, uh, what's the word I want? Uh, um, oh, I hate it when this happens. Rep, rep, well, representative. <laughs> representative. Now, that there was a movie that was absolutely chock full of violence. Some of it random, and some of it not. Um, there is a scene there where a fella gets his throat cut, and you see it, at least you didn't see it then, but in the later, uh, you know, the restorations of the movie, you actually saw, you know, special effects hmm. guy's throat cut, and so on and so on. Um, now, people attacked that movie and attacked that particular scene as being unnecessary and and uh, gratuitous and so on. And yet, in the context of the movie, when I finally saw the, the director's version of it, uh, it, it was absolutely required in the movie. Uh, you could have done it other ways, but it was the single act in the movie that pushed the whole movie over the edge and and all of the negative things that had been going on all of the criminal acts and all of the uh, the evil that had been happening and these guys who in fact were very evil themselves but were placed in a position of being the redemptors of this of this community and slit the guys throat all hell breaks loose when everything's over everybody's dead good guys bad guys everybody's dead but the, the good guys were bad guys, too. And, and, and it's often... I, I th- in the context of that movie, it has always uh, su- surprised me how many people missed the point of that scene. Do you think that that happens too often when we're looking at movies and trying to... Or people are looking at movies and trying oh, yes. to decide what the problem is? That they, may be, that they look at an act without putting it in the full context of the movie?
2: Particularly if it is cut, and often movies are cut. But it's all, all the time, I understand. There are, there are things being taken out of movies for whatever reason. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I saw the, the, the world premiere of Alien back in the 70s when it was released. I saw it in New York City. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very frightening, that first scene where the first one or two people get killed. But when the Ontario release came out, and it was supposedly not censored, that scene wasn't in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh... It has since. I've seen a version or two that has placed it back in, I just recently. I don't know if it's just come back through the country, but I thought it was a very important scene to the movie. It never repeated itself, mm-hmm. but once you saw that once, you were on the edge of your seats for, for the rest of that movie. And um, yes, it's a very important, I think it's a judgment call on the director's part. I've seen a lot of movies where the violence is gratuitous where and by that i mean it doesn't contribute to the plot or to the reaction that the, the director might want to get out of you mm-hmm. when you saw that scene in, in in the wild bunch you know you you were you're being set up yes. by oh, the absolutely. director you know yeah. and he's emotionally manipulating you which is very important so that Imagine if at the end of the movie you're watching the good guys get even with the bad guy, but you didn't really see the real bad things that the bad guy did, and you might be thinking, well, these guys are overreacting. What a <laughs> bunch of bums, you know? like I think these are the if bad I've guys. So if, you had camera, read. Yeah. So, so if you had seen the whole movie, you'd understand that conflict between good and evil. And this is what bothers me a lot when we sanitize these movies. We're taking out that distinction of judgment that must be made. And this is where the whole issue of violence uh, emanates, is people not distinguishing between when it is appropriate to use force and and that is always in self-defense and when it's inappropriate,
2: and that's when you're being offensive. Another but, aspect of that that you refer to, and that is sort of the, in order to make this movie make sense, you've got to go there emotionally. And it seems to me that in order to be effective art, there's nothing wrong with taking us to the limits of our emotions. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the places that uh, that we're at our most emotional is when we're scared or or oh, yeah. violence oh. is involved. And there's nothing wrong with uh, with recognizing
1: that's that's the way we are. And a good horror show will really be a good uh, pickup. I mean, we don't we don't live our lives normally I'm afraid of those. I, I, <laughs> I don't watch those I don't <laughs> I don't like them at all. I don't watch horror you movies. Know, I don't like them. I used to I used to be like that. And then I saw. you know, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, when I first saw that, I had avoided it for years. And I ended up watching it by accident one day. And I said, this was a good movie. It was, I didn't like the ending. I would have changed the ending again, not mm-hmm. because it didn't have a message, but because I thought I could have put a scarier ending on it. Yeah. But, uh, uh, no, it was a great thrill. And there was just that one real, you know, quote, Explicit violent scene never happened again, but the rest of the movie you were expecting it to, and and, and it was a fun ride. I didn't see it as um, gratuitous violence. It was it was a scare for a scare's sake. The same reason you get on a roller coaster or you get on anything. You're you're you are in the safety of your home. You're in the safety of something. This is not reality we're talking about, and. Uh, I think, as as human beings, uh, you, I can imagine one day we might have something like holodecks, like they do on Star mm-hmm. Trek, and who knows what kind of fantasies we're going to be acting out in those things. You
2: no, know, the the unfortunate part is that uh, you make these movies and so on, and they're okay for ninety nine point nine nine percent of the people who who get it, yeah, know, who get the message or who understand that it's just just uh, you know fiction or whatever. And the question is, how do we isolate the you know point oh oh one percent that really? Are going to take this the wrong way,
0: but can can we ever you do can. that? I mean, we weren't maybe, able to. Maybe. You know, you, you can look at literature. There's uh, even you, you go back prior to the uh, to the 20th century, and Shakespeare is a wonderful example. Very v- graphically violent, many of his plays, very nasty, disgusting, disgraceful things taking place, and yet, uh, and, and as you're quite right, Jeff, there have probably been some people who have been negatively affected by that. But this, is, it, it, you know, is that a thing that society should be pursuing? How do we how do we control? How do we how do we separate? How do we weed out this one tenth of one tenth? Of one yeah. percent, or is that just simply a price we pay for living together in a society that,
1: that maybe? Well, if you s- want your freedom, you have to build a certain level of tolerance, and you, and there's a certain amount of risk involved. But it sure is a heck of a lot less than the risk involved in liber- living in a society where. You don't have any freedom.
0: We're coming right back with more on left, right, and center here on Talk of the Town. Um, do either of you have any examples, uh, just for the sake of argument, of movies that you think are totally without redeeming social value and could oh could just kind of drop off the map without anybody suffering any loss? And I'm not talking about terrible movies. I'm talking maybe some you know well-known movies that you think really do not deserve their their place in there, the lexicon.
1: There, there are so many of them. I can't. I, I'm I'm a bad person. I can watch a movie yesterday and forget the title today. <laughs> and there are. You know, Pulp Fiction is one of the few I remembered. Mm -hmm. And during that period, that Pulp Fiction came out on video, uh, I must have watched—I don't know how many movies—and they they just all bored me. And the the irony was, I found myself bored by the by the violence and action parts, whereas I I would wake up when the dialogue got going, Mm -hmm. and there was—if there was a good dialogue. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of you know they can be entertaining I can't I wouldn't write off any movie completely well, here I'll take a shot at one sure, for you. You Just
2: off the top of my head? I think the Godfather movies were movies that I never really understood in the mm-hmm. sense that you know it's a story about a family Godfather. but it seemed to aggrandize organized crime and that at the end of the day, it was the mafia guys that were the good guys, and the uh, the the police seemed to be sort of always the bad guys. And that was, that was and so the on. point
1: of that movie. Uh, well, but that's not real. <laughs> that's not the real I don't know. I think there was a lot of truth in that movie, and I think that was uh, what a movie to pick as one without socially redeeming value. I, sure I had a, understood it. Uh, isn't that interesting? You know <laughs> that, that two people can look at one movie mm-hmm. like that, and I would say that was one of the greatest movies of its decade. And and uh, not that I'm into organized crime or even that whole uh, Hollywood. Oh, well, we're on this uh, show because we disagree about things, <laughs> <laughs> Of all movies to pick. <laughs> hey. uh,
0: well, I, th- I think on that note, uh, uh, and until somebody makes us an offer we can't refuse, we're going to uh, we're going to wrap up today's program. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, we are, uh, of course, folks, we're going on a two-week hiatus, so Bob and Jeff will not be back until the new year. I think it's the 7th of January. We'll be our next edition of Left, Right, and Center.